welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Started, we attempted to start our new series this morning. Um, who enjoyed the series No Ordinary Family? Yeah. I kind of, I just said to Peter, I said, sure there's not another chapter of Ruth I'd love to talk about. I've just had so much fun doing that, but it has come to an end. Oh. But we thought we'd do an, another short series, and um, it's one we've entitled Treasure Chest. Um, unlocking God's Financial Plan. And um, I know that when it comes to speaking about money, people can tend to get a little bit weirded out and a little bit cynical, a little bit skeptical, a little bit suspicious when the church talks about money. And some might even go as far to say that the church is always talking about money. The truth of the matter is this. Most churches don't talk about money at all because they're too scared of what people might think. But Jesus spoke more about money than almost every other subject. In fact, most of his parables were in and around the subject of giving and money. And so um, we thought we would share about money and giving and finances and spending and saving and debt because money is something that affects all of us. In fact, if you're honest with yourself, there's not a day that goes by that we don't think about finances. And so I thought based on that, we need to speak about money. I also thought it'd be a good time to speak about money because we are coming into the Christmas period, the silly season. Someone once said that Christmas is that time of the year where you spend money you don't have on things you don't need, on people you don't like. How many know what I'm on about? And then come January and February, we've now got to pay back the money that we borrowed in advance to buy the people we don't like, things they don't need, just to keep up appearances. And that is no way to live. And I believe for us to be made whole as Jesus intended us to be, we've got to speak on every subject. Maybe some of you have been stung by the church or stung by a business person or stung by a family member or stung by a friend in and around the area of finance. And, 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 and I, I feel your pain and I, I hear you, but I, I want you to hear me out because as a church, we want to present a series on finances and on giving that is biblical, that is practical that is helpful and will set you up for a win so that we don't just get caught up in the rat race of life playing the game of keeping up with the Joneses or anyone else for that matter. And so we started that this morning and um, I talked about the reason I believe God created giving. And the question I put out to the church this morning was this, why do you think God created giving? Was it to support the church? And my answer to that was, I don't think so. Because in the Word of God, we see many occasions where God can supernaturally provide for the church when He wants to. We see the Israelites being supplied manna from heaven supernaturally. They um, were supplied meat from, uh, from the air. All these quail would come and, and they'd be able to eat all the meat that they wanted until it came out of their nostrils, the Bible says. We see that on one occasion, Elijah was fed by a raven. God supernaturally told a bird to go and feed a man. And he did. 
We see that when Jesus was fishing one day and the uh, disciples were a little bit worried because tax time was coming and Jesus caught a fish and said, open its mouth. And in the fish's mouth, there was enough money for the taxes to be paid. So if giving was purely about supporting the church, I think God can take care of that. And so for me, I have to say, there's something deeper. I believe that God is trying to teach us when it comes to giving. And I believe with all of my heart that God created giving to work greed and selfishness out of humanity. And the first and only point we looked at this morning was that giving breaks the grip of greed and selfishness. You see, God uh, created giving, or sorry, giving is God's way of raising children, not money. This whole series is not so much about money as it is about maturity and becoming more like Christ. If our goal is to become like Christ, we can't be greedy and we can't be selfish because Jesus was not greedy nor selfish. So in essence, this is actually about us coming to a place of maturity and becoming more like God, more like Christ himself. And we want to break with the immature thinking out there of this give to get mentality. Many times that giving is taught on in the church is in the context of if you give, you will receive. But you know what? If we only give to receive, then the greed is still very much there. The selfishness is still very much there. And for me, I have done a poor job if we only give to get because the purpose behind giving is to break the getting mentality. We should never ever give to get anything. We should give because we have already received. We should give out of a grateful heart. We should give out of thanksgiving. And so I want a church that is Christ-like and mature and becoming more and more like Christ every day we live. We had a little bit of fun as we mentioned about some of the things that you can do with Scripture. You know, you can make the Bible say anything you want. We looked at a few examples. You can make God a woman, if you like, by quoting Scripture. Do you know that? The Bible says that God is not a man. It goes on to say that he should lie. But if you leave that out, all of a sudden God is a woman. We can read into Scripture that David rode a motorcycle. Because Scripture said that David's triumph could be heard throughout the land. We can read into Scripture that Moses played tennis. Because he served in the courts of Pharaoh. And we can also read into Scripture that there will be no women in heaven because Revelation tells us that for one whole half an hour, there will be silence. It'd probably be fair to say there'll be no preachers in heaven either though, but anyway. We looked at Matthew, Luke chapter 6. And it says, do not judge or you will be judged. And it says, give and it will be given to you. And often that is taken out of context. And we talk about money. In actual fact, the context there is judgment and forgiveness. And it talks about you giving. Whatever you give, you will receive. And if you give judgment, you'll receive judgment. In good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But if you give forgiveness, you'll receive forgiveness. 
Now, if I was to ask you, what do you want to receive? Judgment? All those who want judgment, raise your hands right now. Come on, let me see your hands. Okay, on the count of three. For judgment, one, two, three. No. Who wants forgiveness? Well, you can have forgiveness in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, if you would just give forgiveness. Giving breaks the grip of materialism. It breaks the grip of selfishness. It breaks the grip of greed. I don't know, as a parent, I don't want selfish, greedy kids. And so we teach them to give. There's nothing that they can give me that's going to support me financially. But I want them to give. I want them to learn the principle of giving. Not to help me. Not to support me. Not to bless me. But to break the grip of greed and selfishness. Let me ask you this as parents. All of you who are parents. Who wants greedy, selfish kids? None of us. Who wants kids that think of others and are selfless and will help? But we have to teach them. And the way we teach them to do that is through giving. You got it? Which brings me to my second point tonight. That giving changes your heart. In Luke chapter 12 verse 34, it says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, it's your heart that follows your treasure. What your treasure, sorry, what you treasure educates your heart to follow it. And those treasures change the impact on your heart. In other words, your heart is led to new places by the treasure that we choose. What you need to understand about the heart in biblical terms is this. Your heart is not that thing that pumps blood around your body. Your heart is not that place where all the warm fuzzies are. Your heart is your belief system. It's the centre of all that you believe. It's the centre of all your attitudes. It's the centre of all the way you think are. See, all of us have an attitude when it comes to money. Do you know that? If I was to ask you what do you think about money, we'd all have an opinion on it. And that opinion would not just be based upon something you've just thought about off the spur. It would go deep in your heart and it'd be something that you've held on to for a long period of time. Every one of us has an attitude of money for better, for worse, by design or by default. I've said many times before from this platform that no one was born with a culture. We were born into a culture. Does that make sense? I was born into an English culture. And so I grew up eating meat and three veg and drinking cups of tea. That's what we did. And the best meal of the week was roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. I thought that's what everybody ate. Then I went to high school where there was all my Greek and Italian friends. And they ate things I can't even pronounce. I couldn't believe it. It was bizarre. I thought everybody had meat and three veg. I thought everyone had roast beef and Yorkshire pudding on Sunday night. I thought that's what everybody did. 
I wasn't born with a culture, I was born into a culture. If I was born into an Indian culture, I might have grown up on Papa Dumps. And I might have like curry in a hurry and just all those kind of things. But I wasn't born into that culture, so I didn't eat that food. Does that make sense? And the way you think about everything you think stems back to our culture. It stems back to our attitude. It stems back to the environment that we grew up in. And it's there that we formulate a belief system. And if you were born into a family of a lack or poverty mentality, the way you view finances is going to be different than another culture, another family. And the way you view other people's successes is going to be determined by what you were born into. It never ceases to amaze me that you've got some eight-year-olds that are so opinionated about the government and who should be in power and that Liberal Party. I mean, are you kidding me? You're eight. You're struggling with maths. What would you know about governing a nation? <laughs> what it is, they're just verbalising what mum and dad said. And they've got opinions about the church. Oh, the church, all they want is your money. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Just get your pen license first. <laughs> Learn to spell properly. Great is not spelt GR number eight. It's not. <laughs> Little punk. Sorry, hang on. Little punk. <laughs> all these opinions about the world and the church and the trouble of the church, all they want is your money. What are you ki- kidding me? And they grow up. It's amazing. For the most part, the biggest shock that this church presents to people are people who've had a religious background. Because they grew up with church being a certain way. This is why it was always done. And so some people are saying, where's the cross? Where's the smoke? Where's the this? And where's the that? And where's the, oh, you know, just like. (laughs) That's why I'm not in the worship team. If this is true, what I'm sharing, and it is, if it's true when it comes to food, the way we dress, the things we like to eat, surely, just maybe, it could be true about the attitude we've adopted towards money, giving, other people's success. Because if you've only ever grown up in a lack mentality or a poverty mentality and you've struggled to get everything you've got, then everyone who's doing better than you must have got it in some dishonest way. And so we're never going to view the success of the church with a proper perspective because we've already been tarnished by 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of teaching. And it's our heart that determines what we really believe. It's our heart that determines our real attitude when it comes to everything in life and that includes the way we view 
finances. Some of you may have grown up in a prosperity mentality. And you believe that the universe provides more than enough for everyone. That there's enough in this world for everyone. And if someone's got more than me, it doesn't mean that I have to miss out. Because there's more than enough. Can you see the difference and the outlook of the two people growing up in those two different environments? The person that grows up in an attitude and an environment where the mentality is that in this universe, there is more than enough. And if someone's got so much, it doesn't matter because it's not going to stop you getting lots because there's more than enough. As opposed to someone saying, you better fight for everything you've got. You better get everything you've got. You better struggle. You better. Can you see that? And because of the way we've been brought up, we tend to hear things. Not according to what is being said, but according to our culture. According to the way we were brought up. And I believe that one of the most powerful ways that we can break that is through the act of giving. It's where your treasure is, your heart will catch up. See, I'm not asking some of you just to understand this because it doesn't make sense. You're telling me first to give. You won't hear this anywhere else but the church because it takes an element of faith. Are you saying that I've got to give first before I fully understand, before I fully believe it, before I fully commit? Actually, yes. And as you begin to put this into practice, your belief system, little by little, slowly but surely, comes into line with the kingdom culture, with the Word of God. Most of us in this room did not grow up with a kingdom mentality, a kingdom culture. We grew up in an environment that was far different. And the kingdom culture is so different than anything else on this earth. No matter what you think about money today, your belief system about lack or abundance is deeply rooted in your psyche and has already determined how much money that you have today. The Bible says it this way, as a man thinks in his heart, so are you. If you are cynical about wealthy people, then you'll never be wealthy yourself. You've got to catch this. If you are cynical toward anyone who has more than you, you'll never get any more. Let me break it down for you this way and ask you a question. How do you feel when you spend money? Not on yourself. Oh, I buy chocolate. No, I'm not about when I buy new shoes. For some people, that's therapy. I'm feeling really bad. I'm going to buy some shoes. That therapy is very expensive. But how do you feel when it comes to paying things that you have to? This will tell you how you view money. Taxes. Honestly, how do you feel how you pay taxes? Do you feel, oh, I shouldn't have to pay taxes? Or do you feel that by God's design, that He and His providence have put men in government to make sure certain laws of the land are in place, 
and that we can drive on certain roads and there's certain, there is, as chaotic and, and, and as bad as it can be, it could be a lot worse. Or do you fight every time? And every time you, you get a bill for the electricity, electricity that you used to heat your house in the cold of winter or to cool your house in the heat of summer, you used and we complain. That attitude is highlighting where your heart is in the area of giving. If you struggle to pay your taxes, if you struggle to pay your electricity, you're going to struggle to give. And if you can understand where the struggle really is, you won't attack the church. It's not the church who always want money. It's that you are struggling to give. See, in church, you can learn to play a game where you say one thing, but in your heart of hearts, you're thinking another thing. Have you ever been around someone's house where they say, hey, help yourself to the fridge. So you help themselves and they're freaking out because they said one thing, but they didn't really, in their heart of hearts, they were hoping to God that you wouldn't go to the fridge. It's like that when we say, no, I'm generous, I'm generous. And then we fight on every time we have to part with our money. What I love about Christianity, it's not all ethereal. It's not all out there somewhere. It can actually be broken down. to We can find out exactly where we're at. Some people might say, I believe in relationships. And every relationship they get into, they sabotage because their heart doesn't believe in relationships. And so your view on money and your view on giving and your view on generosity stems back to your central core beliefs. And one way of breaking that down is through giving. Giving changes your heart. Thirdly, and this will be really helpful now, giving starts with the little things. In Luke chapter 6, as we've already read, it says, give and it will be given to you. It doesn't say give $100, it leaves it open. It doesn't say give it $100 and it will be given to you. It doesn't say give $1,000, give a billion dollars, give a gazillion dollars. It says give. And whatever you give will be given back to you. I love this thought. Give it and it will be given back to you. Question, what's your it? What is it that you're giving? Because that's what's going to come back. What's your it? I believe that if you build a giving, loving lifestyle, it will come back to you. And so I would say this, cultivate a love for the simple things. A smile won't cost you anything. If you would give a smile, I want you to do that this week. Give a stranger a smile. Let's forget a smile. In the cafe, uh, maybe even now, right now, give, give someone a smile. Go on, I dare you. Give somebody a smile. Go on. Smile. 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 
Smile. I remember when I would be in a bad mood. You remember when young kids are in a bad mood, they just want to stay in a bad mood longer? But I don't know, what, what is that? Anyway, mind you, a lot of adults are like that too. They're in a bad mood, I'd be like this. Hey, come on, what's up? Come on, come on. Come on, just drop it. Come on, smile. Come on, you go, smile. It's funny, when your dad looks at you and says smile 10 times, it's really hard not to smile. And I believe he was teaching me something right back then. Teaching me that, that without using one scripture, teaching me what I'm teaching you tonight to give me a smile. Come on, give me a smile. Come on. It's not going to cost you anything. Come on, people, give me a smile. Why don't you give me some encouragement? Say, yeah, this is awesome. This is amazing. Come on. I often say that there's two preachers in the room. There's one up here and there's one in your seat. It's you. You should let the preacher out. Not because I'm insecure, but do you good. Do you good to lavish me with a few text messages and tweets and, and chocolates and love, a bit of money. I don't know, whatever. Not that I want it, but it do you good. It would. It would do you good. Have you ever done it? I mean, test me in this. Have you ever done it? No. Have you ever done that? You just do something good and you just feel good. It's amazing. God has put it in motion. If you do something good, you feel good. Feels good. So cultivate a love for the simple things. And you'll be rich. The, 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 the warmth of the sun on your body. I love that. Coming up to summer, I, I just love it. I feel like a rich man. Just, I, just, I love that. What about the smell of freshly cut grass? Not the stuff you roll up and smoke. There are sometimes I think it'd be a lot easier if I just had a nice religious bunch of little Christians who said yes. But we're kind of, oh, whatever. Okay, just. Now, one thing I've always appreciated about my dad, and I think it's one of the things that marks him as a rich man in my eyes. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Maybe we can cut that out. I don't know, whatever. One of the things that marks my dad as a rich man in my thinking is his love and appreciation for the small things. Someone's tweeted me. What have they got? Smile. Okay, good. <laughs> Thanks for that, JT. I appreciate that. I'll just close that. Yeah, for them. Dad just loves small things. He can appreciate the smallest of things. Those of you who know my dad well know this to be true. Dad sees colours in trees... I don't see. He can be sitting there and say, man, look at the coolers in them trees. I see brown. He sees all these other colors. He's cultivated a love. And as a result of cultivating a love, he speaks 
and he starts giving of himself. Every time you give of yourself, something comes back. And he gives compliments. He's, he's, he's not doing it for the praise of man. He's saying, God, every time he says, look at the colour, he's, he's praising God. He's giving praise and honour to God and it comes back to him. Some of you might think, oh, you're always going on about your dad. No, no, what dad has done, he's cultivated, he's rich and to honour him is easy, it just comes back. The Bible says this way, if you want friends, you've got to be friendly. You know, I think this is a pretty friendly church, but you know, we've had some people say it's no friendly and people don't talk. Really? Maybe it's because we're not giving friendship. I don't know anyone who gives friendship and doesn't have plenty of friends. I, just, I don't know anyone. I know lots of people who don't give and, they, and as a result they don't have. But if you're giving, and I would encourage you to, to start appreciating God in the small things. Start appreciating what you have. And if, if your income and your wage is small, start thanking God for it. And start being appreciative of what you have instead of what you don't have. And start being grateful and thankful. I mean, you know what? If nothing else, we live in Australia. I mean, honestly, how often do you thank God for that? I mean, what an incredible place. You turn on the news and there's war torn here, war torn there, war this, war that. And here we are in Australia. All we've got to complain about is the planes aren't flying. So what? I mean, if that's all we've got to complain about, thank God for that. All we can think to complain about is Qantas. I mean, really? Go to Africa. Babies dying every day of malnutrition. Start cultivating a giving, thanking, praising, encouraging life. And that's what will come back to you. It's not about money. This is about dollars and cents. This is not about bank accounts. This is about us. Putting the Word of God into practice. Give and it. What's your it? What is your it this week? This is your assignment. What's your it? What's your it that you can give this week? What is it? You gotta find that out. And I would encourage you, once you find out what it is, just give it. Just give it. If it's your strength, if you've got some, if you've got some strength, then, then help somebody with your strength. If you've got a gift, just, just help somebody. Maybe you're a hairdresser and you just want to cut some person's hair and you know you're not whatever. I, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. See, there's an abundance of riches in you already. And that's what I want you to know. Every one of you is rich. And what you've got to learn to do is give that away. You've got to learn to give the riches that are in you right now away. That's what you've got to do. That you are rich. Every one of us in this room is rich. And there's an abundance in us. And we've got to learn to give that away. See, abundance comes to those who already have it. You know the saying, the rich get richer? That's true. Those that have get more. It's true. Those that give, get more. Proverbs 11 says it this way. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others himself will be refreshed. Refreshed. The message translation says it this way. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Oh, but the world of the stingy gets smaller 
and smaller. Here's the principle that messes with our belief system and our conditioning and our culture. We grew up to believe that when I'm rich, I'll be generous. The Bible says it the exact opposite. The Bible says that a generous man will prosper. It doesn't say a prosperous man will be generous. It's the exact opposite. It's the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. It says the generous shall prosper. If you want to prosper, be generous. With what? With what you have. With your it. You want to be prosperous? Give away your it. Generosity or a generous life starts with you giving your life away. And my last point tonight is simply this. That giving keeps you in the flow of life. You know, Matthew 21 verse 19. I love this. Jesus is walking along with his mates. And he sees a fig tree by the road. And he's obviously hungry, thirsty. He goes to the tree to expect to find some fruit. He says when he went up to it, he found nothing except leaves. Emphasis mine. Then he said to it, May you, this is, may you never bear fruit again. The disciples are like, Gee, Jesus, the sun has got to you, man. I mean, like, dude, take a chill pill. Like, I'm sure there's plenty. I can buy you some figs, dude. Just chill. <laughs> How's this? No sooner are they thinking that, but the tree withers. It's like, Jesus, take a chill. Whoa. That's a cool party trick. I don't know about you, but that seems a little bit harsh to the poor old fig tree. I mean, don't you read that into the... Jesus curses this fig tree because it didn't bear fruit. That may sound a little bit harsh, but I believe the principle and the point that's trying to be made here is that here's a tree that has received nutrients from the soil. It's received the rain It's received the air, all free of charge. It's just been given freely. And now to withhold and not produce anything, says, curse you. See, the natural order of things is to reproduce. Fruit is a sign of excess life. And giving for us is a sign of excess life. We don't just have enough for us, we have it for everyone else. I don't just have enough smiles for me, I have enough smiles for you. And if we can look into this, we see that God created the law of reproduction. The Bible says it this way, freely you've received. So freely give. As our musicians begin to make their way up here, I want to close with this thought. And I don't mean to be unkind, and maybe some of you are struggling with this, but there are many people I know 
that get married and enjoying their life as a married couple and they've got double incomes and they've just managed to get a nice home and another thing, gee, life's so comfortable. I don't know if I can afford kids. Can you just, just think this thing through? That's fine. Everyone's got their own prerogative, I suppose. But can you imagine if every married couple or any couple chose not to have kids, life ceases to exist. hundred years, we're all gone. When you stop giving, you stop the flow of life. You stop the natural order of things. It's only when you start to give. If you do the maths about whether you can afford kids, you'll never have kids. No parent can afford kids. But we do it anyway. Because we know there's something about reproducing that's right. And you wouldn't even have that ability to make that choice if somebody was as stingy as you. If somebody, namely your parents, said, let's not have kids. You wouldn't be here. Oh, let's not start this nonsense that tithing is the Old Testament. What? Just stingy thing. Are you kidding me? Here's the question I have for all of those who think tithing is Old Testament. If people were compelled under the Old Covenant to give one-tenth of their income, how much more does grace require? If we required under law before Jesus came and did anything, 10%, how much more after Jesus has done everything? How much more? I hope this series, we're just starting. We're going to look at some money matters next week. We're going to look at some money myths. We're going to bust a whole heap of myths, which would be flipping awesome. And Pete's going to come and talk about some very practical things about spending and saving and debt. These things have to be talked about. And it's better you do that before you spend all your money at Christmas. It's better to make something for somebody. <laughs> a little card or something here. <laughs> if you receive something somebody's made and it's not that good and you don't know what it is, just say thank you. <laughs> Come on, let's, let's, let's be a generous people. It's the only way we stay in the flow of life. Got to stay in the flow. Got to stay in the groove. You got to. It's where it's at. Life has a flow to it. When we try too hard in our own strength, it gets all messed up. When we try and hold on to, life gets all messed up. But when we live open-handedly, and we just choose to give freely 
Every one of us in this room has received. Every one of us. Every one of us. We all have something to give. And you will give something. I want to tell you this. Here's the real deal. You will give something this week. If you give nothing this week, you've given something. The something you've given is nothing. Got it? If you choose to give nothing, you've given something, and that something is nothing. And God sees you're nothing. And people see you're nothing. Some woman struggling with the shopping, and she's trying to open a door, and you do nothing. You did something. You did nothing. And she saw that nothing. Oh, you go, come on. I'm preaching far better than you're responding. You're like, I'll put it down to the fact you're tired from a conference, but come on, this is good stuff. Yeah. Woman, shopping, you do nothing. She saw your nothing. She saw your nothing loud and clear. It was so obvious to her. She saw your nothing. <laughs> Nothing is visible. Jesus watches over our giving. There's a story where Jesus watches all the money, put people putting money in the plate. It's an interesting thought that Jesus watches people put money in the plate. And He watches you at work. He wants to watch. What are they going to do? What are they going to, how are they going to use their it this week? Are you going to, Give away a flyer to the bloke event. Or are you going to hold on and do nothing? Or are you going to give? You're going to put yourself out there and give again. And keep yourself in the natural flow of life. Do you know why Christians get bored? Do you know why Christians get boring? Do you know why they end up giving up and backsliding? Because they get out of the flow of life. They stop giving. And when you stop giving, church does get boring. Everything gets boring if you stop giving. If you're not giving to something, it gets boring. If you don't give to your marriage, it gets boring. The reason marriages aren't working is because husbands and wives, they stop giving. Oh, God, I'm good today. It's true. Glenn always smiles at me when I'm struggling and no one will... <sighs> if you're wondering when I preach up here, he never looks at me, start smiling. I might have to start looking at you. <laughs> Sitting there like this. I'm tired. Busy week. Let's stand. Everything I've shared today is not about people seeing it. Because they're not the ones who are going to reward you. The last thing we need is more goody two-shoes Christians going around doing good deeds so people may say how good we are. That's not the point. Because it's not people that reward us. It's God who brings it back to us. And so if no one sees it, God sees it. 
And so when we're putting money in the offering, we don't go, ha! <coughs> Sorry, I've taken so long. Sorry, just to put so much in today. When you help some lady with the shopping in the door, you don't have to tweet it. Say, oh, I helped a lady, aren't I? You missed it. Just do it because it's good. Jesus didn't say do it and then tweet it. When Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't talking about Twitter. Don't do that. That'll encourage me. I'll go all night. They want to go home. I've got a captive audience here. It's just... Is there anything I've shared that makes sense to you? Yes. After this morning, I had a few people <laughs> tweet me, funny enough, and talk to me and said, wow, this is not where I expect you to go with this series. We're going to talk about some practical things. I'm going to talk about tithing. We're going to talk about some money issues. But it has to be on this platform. Because you can tithe and still not mean anything. It's got to be on the right platform. Everything has to be on the right platform. Everything. And I believe we can't get anything right in our lives until we make peace with God. That's, that for me is the starting place of us having a right platform. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.